BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. August 13, 2020, coming up with Roland Martin Unfiltered. Donald Trump is trying to steal this election by literally starving the United States Postal Service. We'll break this thing down. And he even admits it. Up front, he admits it. A study released by the National Urban League today shows that the state of black America is not good. We'll talk with the president of the National Urban League, Mark Morial. An American University survey shows that young black people are important 2020 swing voters, but will they vote? We'll talk with Sam Fullwood, one of the authors of that survey. Also, folks, uh, we'll talk to, uh, first of all, Larry Cutlow says the White House doesn't want voting rights. No shock, we know that. Nearly nine out of 10 Democrats approve of Kamala Harris for vice president, but conservatives are pulling birtherism out of their usual playbook, plus a new batch of anti-Donald Trump ads. Folks, it's time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's Roland. 
folks, 81 days until Election Day. 81 days. If you go to my iPad, if you go to vote.org, folks, it's 81 days. You can, of course, uh, go to vote.org to register. Check your registration, register to vote, sign up for the census, also request your mail-in ballot. And speaking of the mail-in ballot, speaking of that, Donald Trump is doing all he can to actually affect the election. This is what he said on Fox News today. All right, guys, where's the video? For the mail-in votes, okay, universal mail-in ballots. Three and a half They want $25 billion, billion for the post office. Now, they need that money in order to have the post office work so it can take all of these millions and millions of ballots. Now, in the meantime, they aren't getting there. By the way, those are just two items. But if they don't get those two items, that means you can't have universal mail-in voting. Y'all, he's admitting he is trying to rig the election. The person he installed as Postmaster General has been firing top deputies uh, for the last couple of weeks. They also are deactivating machines that sort the mail, including ballots. Yeah, at least 19 sorting machines from five processing facilities have already been removed or scheduled to be removed. We expect to see millions more vote by mail in 2020 due to coronavirus. But Donald Trump is doing all he can to actually screw that up. Let's talk about with our panel, Dr. Greg Carr, Chair, Department of Afro-American Studies, Howard University, Reese Colbert, Black Women Views, Erica Savage-Wilson, host Savage Politics Podcast. Greg, he's been real clear. I want to rig the election. I will not fund the U.S. Postal Service. They're starving them. This is, he, he yells, rig, rig, rig. And, and here's the deal. Not a single Republican in Congress has the guts to say you're wrong. Well, they're all white nationalists, including Senator Scott from South Carolina. Uh, they've dropped all pretenses now. In the wake of uh, the announcement of uh, Senator Kamala Harris's uh, vice president's camp bid, we see now all the pretenses have been dropped. They can't really talk about her. They don't. They can't lay a glove on her. So now they're just going to drop all the pretenses and go right to it. I mean, this has been building for a long time. Louis DeJoy a campaign contributor to uh, Donald Trump and another toady in his toady administration. Uh, he is at the post office with one task. He's got one job, implode the federal post office. And uh, yeah, today, uh, Senator Cardin and Senator Van Hollen out of Maryland and some other elected officials sent a letter to Louis DeJoy. He's going to ignore it. He ain't going to testify. He's there doing that. He doesn't care where people get their medicine. He don't care where people get their checks. They have one job. And uh, finally, um, as we were talking a little bit before the show, uh, you know, uh, Trump's fixer, Cohen, his book, he's now, I read the, the forward to his book, he's now, you know, he's going to try to make his money. He said, and if by some way Trump loses this election, he's not leaving the White House. I'm telling y'all. So, you know, anybody thinking that we can have a civil conversation about this? No, they've dropped all pretenses now. They're going full blown rule or ruin. That's what that's their agenda. Uh, it's very clear, Erica, what they want to do. And again, folks have to be prepared to fight this. Yes, I agree with everything that Dr. Carr said. And to include that, he has really worn down kind of um, the shock value. He's been doing that since he was president elect. And so what we're seeing right now, which is what some people would categorize as saying the quiet part out loud, it is an announcement that what we have known for centuries, that always having and creating a system of oppression 
and um, having this false start so that they're able to, um, and when I'm saying they're meaning non-Black, specifically white groups are able to run ahead and be much further and then turn around and say, well, why can't you catch up? So I think that this kind of makes the case, again, for folks that are waxing poetic about the candidates. There's no time for this. We have got to be prepared to vote early. If you are in a state or a municipality that has a secure drop box, be prepared to drop it there if it's going to go um, straight to your elections office. People need to have a voting plan. I've been talking about this for months because the white nationalist, the son of a Klansman, who, who has been who he is, he interfaced with the government in 1973 because he, his father, and at that time, the Trump organization did not want to rent to black people. And so this has been a person that has been in the public eye for well over four decades. This is who he is. He is mediocre. You can call him whatever you want to call him. But his intention is to steal this election and remain president as he has shared in Trump's for um, years and years and years to come. Uh, Reese, bottom line is, again, Republicans are not going to say anything. They are going along with this nonsense. Uh, we can't we can't hear Reese, uh, so make sure you're not on mute. Guys, pull her up, please. Uh, Reese, you're on mute. Reese, you're on mute. Unmute yourself. Reese, unmute yourself. She's not on mute. All right, y'all fit y'all 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 get it y'all get it going figuring out the uh, her Skype there. Uh, I want to bring up my next guest. I'm going to talk about State of Black America report, but I certainly want to ask him about this here. Mark Morial is president and CEO National Urban League. Uh, Mark, on this very issue here, when it comes to uh, uh, what's happening with the postal service, I mean this this is just an abomination for for this person to literally admit, oh yeah, I'm not going to give him the money because of mail in voting. Roland, in my opinion, it, it, it's an effort to foment, uh, in effect, a coup, uh, a you know, illegal uh, takeover of the government by undermining the election system. Look, it's malfeasance. It's it, it, it's it's it, it's impeachable. It's it's outrageous. I've never seen anything like it. But the sister who spoke before me uh, should lead us to call on every state. Uh, in every community across the nation that has mail-in ballots to provide a secure drop box uh, at its elections office, uh, at its uh, elections headquarters or at the appropriate place so that people can, in fact, drop their ballot off uh, and drop it in a secure lockbox. Look, uh, the second thing is, is that there's got to be a litigation strategy uh, to try to do this. He's just completely undermining uh, a, a part of the government that's been there since 1790 and which is so essential. Now, here's the post office. They deliver credit cards. They deliver checks. They deliver statements. They deliver all sorts of things securely. This is a farce that somehow they cannot deliver ballots in a secure way. Now, sometimes I wonder what Donald Trump is thinking, because all of the people who vote overseas many of them who are military personnel, they also vote by mail. Many of the Americans that live overseas will vote by utilization of the mail. So sometimes I wonder where his thought process is in terms of whose votes he's trying to cancel 
by 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 stopping a vote by mail system or undermining a vote by mail system. But it's as outrageous, Roland, as anything we've ever seen. Well, it is outrageous. It's 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 extra judicial. It's extra legal. It's malfeasance. It's misfeasance. And we're witnessing it in front of our very eyes. Why? Because we have a man who's desperate, a man who fears losing, a man who sees the numbers and the handwriting on the wall. That's what you see. And so, you know, there's an old saying that says when you're cornered, you lie. Yeah. And that's what and look, that's what he's doing. And again, th th this is not even a partisan issue. It's just real clear. And what I don't understand is Republicans who are in rural America. That's just going to also get screwed. And so he doesn't care. And they are so they are silent on this. And you're going, oh, so you are so afraid of this man that you won't even stand up for your own constituents to get their mail on time? That's why, Roland, if we got to put on a hazmat suit, if I we have to carry people on our backs, if we got to go on bikes and unicycles and tricycles, no matter what it takes, we must vote November 3rd. And so I want to encourage everyone to get a personal voting plan. You need a personal voting plan. You need to make a decision today. Where am I going to vote? Am I going to vote on Election Day? Am I going to utilize early voting? Am I going to vote by mail? What method will I personally use? Number two, uh, decide, in fact, where you will vote, when you will vote, and also prepare a list of people for whom you will vote. Uh, in the black community and many urban communities, the ballot fall off is too severe. Where people might vote the top of the ticket, but they don't vote right. all the way down. This costs us uh, valuable votes for local elected officials, uh, for city council members and state legislators in places where we elect judges. So part of voter education is to say to people, vote the entire ballot. But we need a personal plan to vote. Everyone's got to decide now. Let's think about it right now. Find out where that, in fact, polling place is. Check your voter registration. We have to do things we've never had to think about before because of the effort to undermine the process. Uh, but we, uh, we can if we work. We can if we plan. We can if we're intelligent. We can if we're determined. Let's talk, let's talk about the uh, State of Black America annual report, 44th report uh, you guys are doing. Obviously, uh, we have been so impacted by coronavirus. It, it impacts everything, whether it's yeah. jobs, whether it's health, uh, whether it's education. I mean, you name it, we have been grossly impacted uh, by, uh, by COVID-19. And so uh, what are this year's findings? So 2020 has been an earthquake, an earthquake when it comes to black America. We've had an earthquake when it comes to health issues, an earthquake when it comes to economic issues, and an earthquake when it comes to racial justice issues. And while the statistics in the report predate COVID, I can say, tell you this. Number one, the black unemployment rate is as high as it's been since the Great Depression. Number two, the number of African-Americans uh, who, because they are in essential positions are placed in harm's way is part of the disproportionate impact of COVID on our community. Uh, number three, when it comes to uh, economics, we may lose, Roland, as much as 40% of our black small businesses 
who simply don't have the capital and the wherewithal to make it through this crisis. And then looming on the horizon are a number of things. Number one, mass evictions, mass foreclosures. If Congress doesn't extend the eviction and foreclosure moratorium. Uh, number two, on the horizon, layoffs by city governments, county governments, and state governments, which could mean another several millions of people uh, out of work uh, due to the economic effects of COVID. This is simply in the economic arena. We know the health numbers, uh, twice as likely to die, three times as likely to have COVID, and there's disproportionality for the Hispanic community and disproportionality for the indigenous, indigenous community. What we should also be concerned about is whether there's a plan when this vaccine is available for the vaccine to be readily available to those who are vulnerable and readily, readily available on an equitable basis. So the findings in the report, we call it unmasked because it's unmasked these disparities that have been with us for a long time. The report is available, it's free, it's online at nul.org. You can also look at a replay of the virtual State of Black America release, which took place at 2 p.m. today. So what, in terms of this lays out those things, uh, what are, what is the Urban League calling on black folks to do? What's, what are the marching well, orders? We got three things here. Mask up. We got to make sure we mask up. We stay healthy. We stay safe. We do what we can. Number two, right now, we have to vote up with a vengeance, with force, with fury, with power in a way that we've never done before. Number three, let's not forget we have to count up. We've got the census where, once again, the Trump administration is trying to shorten the time period for the census after it was extended until the end of November. That could cost us millions uh, millions of, uh, if you will, it cost us uh, billions of dollars into our communities, and it could cost us representation in the Congress, in the state legislatures, and on city councils. So mask up, vote up, and count up. All right, Mark Moriel, CEO, President, right, President CEO, National Urban League. Appreciate you, it, bro. That's, that's, why, that's why I got the Alphas vote shirt on today. Yes, sir, uh, man. For our Alpha man. I appreciate oh, it, man. Six, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks a bunch. All right, folks. Uh, breaking news in the Department of Justice uh, is suing Yale University, alleging discrimination against Asian American and white applicants. New York Times has this story. This is what they say. The finding came after a two-year investigation. This is the second time the Department of Justice is going after an Ivy League school. Uh, they went after Harvard uh, in 2018. Listen to this, y'all. There's no such thing as a nice form of race discrimination. Eric Dryban, the assistant attorney general for the Civil Rights Division, said in a statement announcing the department's move against Yale, unlawfully dividing Americans into racial and ethnic blocks, foster stereotypes, bitterness and division. New York Times writes the department's findings could have far reaching consequences for college admissions policies and for affirmative action, a tool born in the civil rights era to make American education and opportunities more equitable. Greg, this is real simple. Donald Trump game plan to for re-election deals with white people. This is all about white people. This is about saying, white people, I'm your greatest protector. The most laughable thing is there's a shortage of white people being admitted into Yale. 
Really? And see, then what you're also seeing is the using of Asian Americans. And then you have some Asian American groups who are going along with it because they say, oh, we're being blocked uh, from these Ivy League schools. When the reality is black and Latino people ain't keeping Asians out. It's white folks who have uh, who, who, are, who are getting in there because of legacy. That's who's hurting Asian American folk. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know my position generally, Roland. I, I stand and applaud these white nationalists because their little settler project is disintegrating and they're going to say with their tiny chests and their whole little hearts that they're going to ride this until the wheels fall off. This is, uh, you know, Ed Bloom tried this in Texas, of course, with Sarah Fisher, who couldn't get into the University of Texas on her own merits, but who served as a lead plaintiff for, for the Fisher case in Texas. Uh, he tried it again by going at Harvard and using the Asians as the Trojan horse, so to speak, or not even the Asians. Let me not say that. Select cherry-picked Asian-American front uh, organizations that he was actually paying for, Bloom, this billionaire. And so these, these tiny white nationalists whose little experiment is coming apart as children continue to be born to non-white parents uh, are now uh, going to take this last few months of the Trump presidency and launch their attack through the Justice Department, of course, and we know, of course, uh, uh, the attorney general, the, the, the toad, is there to do exactly this, because this is the insurance policy that they're launching before November that speaks directly to the reason they've been stacking these courts yep. with all these federal judges. Yep. So, um, and it's very important to understand this. Now, if you went strictly by grade point average, and this we, we saw this emerge in the UKL system years ago, then yes, there would be more Asian American students in the system if you just went strictly by grade point average and SAT scores. So what you find at Yale, what you find at Harvard, what you find at the Ivy League schools, that some of these schools have now reached a plurality of non-white undergraduate students. And this, of course, now, now mind you, I'm sorry, I'm not talking to the poor whites. Now we understand that what, what elite universities are. Um, I've heard them described as hedge funds with, who ad ad admit the children of the, the benefactors and a handful of hella smart non-white uh, people from the poor and working class. Or, or, or athletes. But, or athletes. Or athletes. And this is where I'm going. This is where I'm going. The only affirmative action that you find in higher education now is if you can run and jump if you're black and brown or have hella grades. And for those black and brown athletes, by the way, at Clemson and Ohio State and South, we want to play, we want to play. Go get up under your mom and them and tell you, look, from now until December, be a student. Student athlete, sit at home, do your homework, figure out what it's like to be a student for a semester. But at any rate, the, the, the is that or and here's where it comes to Yale and Harvard and the Ivy League, the affirmative action of having a parent who's a donor, the affirmative action of, ha of being in the old boy. And I mean, boy network to get the hookup. And that's why the Harvard case imploded at the Supreme Court level, because what Harvard revealed was our calculus for admissions includes all this privileged stuff. And that's why it's likely to employ it at Yale. But something has changed between the Harvard and Yale case. You've got Justice Beer on the court now, Justice Kavanaugh. You've got, to add to Justice McConnell Gorsuch, who was one of the three people today, finally, who dissented in the unsigned opinion when the Supreme Court said, we're not going to get involved in the Rhode Island voting case because the Republicans just tried to stop people from being able to get absentee ballots in Rhode Island. And now what you have is there's Kavanaugh on the court, and they think they might be able to get it this time, regardless of who's in the White House. This is, here's what, uh, Erica, here's what Yale says. First of all, go back to the New York Times, go to my iPad. New York Times says, uh, the Justice Department wants Yale to suspend the use of race 
or national origin in its admissions process for one year and then says Yale would need to seek clearance from the government to begin using race as a factor again. Yale says that they categorically deny all of this and they said they are not going to uh, stop and they'll fight this thing in court. And they say we are abiding by Supreme Court precedent. You see it right here. Uh, Yale's practice absolutely complied with decades of Supreme Court precedent. We are proud of Yale's admissions practices and we will not change them on the basis of such a meritless, hasty accusation, Erica. You know, this is um, pathetic, considering that uh, William Barr, a part of the uh, regime, has not exercised the uh, full kind of extent of his office in order to raise uh, to the level of urgency that he has this particular case, but not talk about how the post um, office is being attacked. But this is of greater importance. When we think about how this administration operates and that this is really a power grab, this should be another reason for people to understand that this general election is so very important. You're talking about a Jared Kushner who's a part of that donor class that could not have made it to, into um, his particular, could not have made it through Harvard if it not were for his father's plus $1 million donation. You're talking about uh, the son of a Klansman who's mediocre at best that is in the White House, occupying the White House, but that matriculated, not because he's as smart as he says that he is all of the time, but because people helped, because there were donations. He may be illiterate, and that is um, not to be ugly <laughs> towards people who are actually illiterate and they have those functions. We're talking about somebody who has rolled the wave of privilege all of their collective lives, both Jared Kushner um, and the son of a Klansman. And so when we think about we don't have a civil rights department that's actively um, making use of their uh, particular office for things that are very important to this country to continue to have some semblance of democracy. It's all that needs to tell you that this is breaking news around affirmative action in Yale. Look, bottom line, Reese, Donald Trump is yelling, I am white people's only hope. He did it after uh, Senator Kamala Harris. Oh, why, uh, suburban wives, vote for me. He is, he, I, and I wish these white people in the media stopped saying, oh, uh, what's all the phrases they use? They use um, uh, whistle, dog whistles. No, mm -hmm. he's okay. yelling, hey, whitey, white people, <laughs> y'all vote for me, not for them. It's being, right. it's real clear. Yeah, but actually, though, I think that he is trying to target the AAPI community, which has been trending far more closer to the Democratic Party. Exit polls in 2016 indicated that Hillary Clinton won 65 percent of the Asian vote. But when they did further polling with larger sample sizes, that actual margin was 79 percent of the vote. And so this is going to be an election about suppressing the vote. We've already talked about that throughout the show. But it's also going to be about picking off a couple of percentage points from each demographic. And so I don't I'm not saying that racism appeals to the Asian community by any means, but. There might be some people that are already conservative that do feel like um, that Asian Americans are disadvantaged by these race-based policies when, in reality, there are different um, there are different communities within the Asian community that don't um, have the same level of, I don't want to say success, but, you know, they don't, we have to break out within the Asian community right. 
how different people are advantaged versus disadvantaged. And so I do think that that's part of it. But yeah, absolutely. This is a white supremacist policy. And um, it's really amazing that William Barr, as, as, as Erica mentioned, he refuses to see any kind of racism and discrimination and, and policing. He said it, that there's no systemic racism in the policing of our criminal justice system. But yet they're going after an Ivy League institution. Their priorities are completely wrong. And in terms of actually making our society more equitable and more just, but in terms of an electoral strategy that's built on galvanizing white supremacists, this is the playbook. Hey y'all, y'all remember that uh, that that I don't even what you want to call that fool, that sheriff down in the Florida who said he would deputize all these white folks uh, if Black Lives Matter came there. Y'all, y'all go, go ahead. Y'all remember this video? Y'all remember this? But just want to weigh in on what we're seeing going on played out across the media or mainstream media in this country. Look, folks, don't fall victim to subjecting yourselves to this this conversation that uh, law enforcement is bad, that law enforcement is the enemy of the citizens that we're sworn to protect and serve. We swore an oath. And in that oath. Y'all remember that little fake cowboy? Well, we got some more breaking news. Uh, and his ass just got arrested. Oh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he, he, uh, he, uh, he got arrested uh, for uh, lying. Not, like, literally, he's been arrested. Uh, the, was uh, it a citizen's arrest? Uh, no, it wasn't no citizen's <laughs> arrest. Now, and what happened was the special, pro the special prosecutor actually even said uh, to him, uh, this is this is the headline right here from First Coast News, breaking uh, First Coast News has learned that Sheriff Daryl Daniels faces at least one felony charge for tampering with evidence, as well as three other charges related to lying to investigators. Now, according to their story, the prosecutor in the case told him he had a choice, get arrested or resign. I don't understand why in the hell that was a choice. Uh, because if you did something wrong, you should get arrested regardless. And so uh, this has been a long-running investigation that's uh, been taking place there. Uh, so uh, big, bad, big, bad little cowboy, uh, Erica, who said that if Black Lives Matter come here, I'm going to sit here and deputize every single person in my county to defend our property here. Well, his ass sitting in jail. Would you just look at that? And, you know, I think when we talked about this, we kind of broke out what the demographics were like for this particular county that is actually named after um, a slaveholder. Um, surprise, surprise there. But that also he was he's appeasing his white constituency and not to be trusted because this is the same person um, that was under investigation, uh, namely because there was uh, he's his wife or he called the police. Um, when he was having an, an, uh, you know, meeting up with his lover and it was soon discovered that this person who was his lover, he actually um, had formed a relationship with someone with, that was his subordinate. Well, that actually, um, actually so, that's what this is about, uh, because yeah, he, was, yeah. he was booked on four charges after having his former mistress arrested illegally. Yep. Mm -hmm. See? And so, you know, following the Trump playbook, particularly when you're black, it's only going to get you so far. So we'll see how he kind of uh, holds up or what tune he's uh, singing, particularly because his marriage ended, unfortunately, and all of these different kind of um, if you are black, you will be arrested. 
things that are happening to him right now, right now. So we'll see if he changes his tune soon after he's released and get, settles back into black life. Reese, here's this story from News for Jacksonville. Go to my iPad. Daniel has been under scrutiny from the Florida Department of Law Enforcement for more than a year after he was accused of ordering one of his deputies to illegally arrest his former mistress for stalking in 2019. She began a relationship with Daniels when she worked for him when they were both at Jacksonville Sheriff's Office and, and the affair continued after he was elected sheriff. He says he did nothing wrong. Well, he, he he's sitting in jail right now. Well, sheriff got his N-word wake-up call, and, and <laughs> it always comes around. You know, people think that they have that blue badge, and that's going to protect them. Not when you black. Not when you black. So now he's okay. figured that out, and I'm I'm curious to see how law and order he will be, <laughs> how much he'll respect the rule of law and the judicial process. Now that uh, the gun is on, you know, the other uh, on the other hand, and so um, I can't have an ounce of sympathy. He absolutely seems like he should be arrested and indicted and convicted and thrown in jail. So I don't say good luck to him. I would say. You know, you get what you put out there. Greg, this is the uh, mm -hmm. this is actually the um, um, the booking sheet here. Tamper with fabric, tamper with fabricate physical evidence, alter, destroy, uh, conceal, uh, knowingly giving false info to, uh, and then three counts of knowingly giving false info. Uh, oh, Daryl Raymond Daniel, fifty-five years old, uh, arrested uh, today. Boy, ain't that something? I guess that, that big-ass cowboy hat wasn't big enough to keep us behind out of jail. <laughs> Brother, I just... Uh, I, I, help me. I'm try, I was trying to do this, because right when, when we talked about it the first time, I'm so glad Erica went first, because she didn't want to set fire to him. You didn't want to set fire to him since last time we talked about it, and you definitely connected it. This is the same thing you were talking about then. I'm just sitting here trying to do the math. I'm thinking... He was under investigation when he made that video then, huh? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, as our brother Ice Cube would say, uh, here's what they think about you. But, uh, you know, at the end, so you standing out there in front of some people who might have been engaged in the very thing. And they you you in front of them, they behind you like, yeah, you know, bad boy, bad boy. Mm -hmm. What you going to do? What you gonna do? What you gonna you know do what? when they come for you? Yeah, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let, let me let me go ahead. Let me let me just go ahead and play just a little bit more of fake ass cowboy. Watch this. Where relationships are great and not strained, and where the people support their sheriff and support the men and women who wear the uniform. And you'll have something waiting on you that you don't want. Yes, we'll protect your constitutional rights as long as you remain under the umbrella of peaceful protest or peaceful march. But the second that you step out from up under the protection of the Constitution, we'll be waiting on you and we'll give you everything you want. All the publicity, all the pain, all the glamour and glory for all that five minutes will give you. Is it a threat? Absolutely not. But somebody has to step up in front of the camera and say, Enough is enough. Tearing up Clay County, that's not going to be acceptable. And if we can't handle you, you know what I'll do? I'll exercise the power and authority as a sheriff, and I'll make special deputies of every lawful gun owner in this county. And I'll deputize them for this one purpose, to stand in the gap between lawlessness and civility. That's what we're sworn to do, and that's what we're going to do. You've been warned. Well, you've been warned too, Sheriff. 
Now, I would say you this was your position with the handcuffs. Then again, with your mistress, you might have been in this position before with the handcuffs. Oh. Oh, all I'm saying, oh. so... All I'm saying. Probably. No, no, hell no. You stand there, talk big badass with your little with your little with your little cowboy hat on, and now you the now you the one talking all that trash about Black Lives Matter, tearing stuff up. Now your punk ass the one that got arrested and sitting in jail and you gotta make bail. By the way, the election is in Florida next week. He says he's gonna keep campaigning. Let's see if these fools throw this idiot out. All I'm saying is, mama, don't let your babies grow up to be black cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> Going to a break. I'll be back at Roller Martin Unfiltered in a moment. You want to check out Roller Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roller Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roller Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. company, Maris P.O. owns it. She created a couple of these great products here, folks. One of them is this VR headset right here. You can just take your uh, uh, smartphone, drop it right into here, close this up, put this thing uh, on your head, and you can actually go to their site or watch 360-degree video right here, virtual reality video with this headset. Of course, uh, they have content on seek.com. You can actually subscribe to that. So that's a pretty cool uh, headset right there. They're also, they have these 360-degree 4D headphones, and so uh, you can, of course, amazing bass. You can also, uh, if you're a gamer, you can uh, utilize uh, the microphone uh, for these headphones as well. Bluetooth, so you can, I've had conversations with folks when I'm out walking with these headphones on. And so if you want to uh, get either one of these or get both of them, go to seek.com, C-E-E-K.com. Use the promo code RMVIP2020, RMVIP2020. And so that is seek.com. Folks, a new survey of black Americans in six battleground states was released yesterday by American University's Black Swing Voter Project. It found that black men and women under 30 have far less trust in elected officials and are far less enthusiastic about voting than their parents. Let's break it down with Sam Fullwood, a fellow at the Center for Professional and Presidential Studies at American University. Uh, Sam, so, uh, so expl explain... Explain this because when you look at this here, 21% of those 1829 say they're not going to vote. They don't want, they're not going to vote at all. 60 plus 5% say they're not going to vote. That's a huge gap. How are you doing, Roland? I'm happy to be with you. Yes, indeed. This, this was uh, somewhat surprising, but once we sort of looked at it uh, uh, a little deeper, it wasn't all that surprising at all. Um, what we found was we, we did a survey of uh, 1,215 African-Americans of all ages uh, in six swing states, Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. 
Uh, our idea was less to find out about who they were going to vote for uh, or whether they were going to vote, but more about what their attachment is to the various institutions of American society, uh, political institutions. And what we found was that there is relatively weak attachment, particularly for young African-Americans, and it is reflected in their choices of who they were going to vote for or whether they was going to vote. And so you, you, you zeroed in right on the, the most shocking number, which is about 21% said that they will not vote. When you add that to the, uh, those that said someone else or not sure, uh, you get almost uh, right at 50% of young African-Americans, young under 30, um, saying that they're not going to vote at all. Now, were these, were this, were these folks just... just African-Americans, were they registered voters? Were they likely voters? Or were they just simply African-Americans? They were just simply African-Americans. We were not interested in getting uh, a read on uh, likely voters because we, you kind of know that they're more inclined. The, the real challenge um, to increase uh, political uh, power among African-Americans is to get the people who are disconnected engaged. And that's what we wanted to, to assess. So, um, in, in, in looking at this here, uh, you know, a lot of people keep saying Biden, Harris, they've got a, they got a big problem when it comes to young voters. And they, I, got, I hear young voters who are like, oh, our issue's not being addressed. And I keep saying, y'all, this is real simple. They're going to talk to the people who are going to vote. And the reality is, if 35 plus are the ones voting, and all these young people keep saying, hey, you know, here are demographics... I've said this to them, which I said to Latinos, your demographics don't mean jack unless you put your demographics to action. Well, I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, but the other side of that is if you really want to bring about the kind of change that you're talking about, you got to vote. And um, a lot of young people, you see them now, they're in the streets saying they want change. They've got to vote, and they've got to convince their, their friends to vote. Well, and, and again, also, this whole idea of, of there, there are no perfect candidates, okay? Right. There, there's right. no such thing as that. And, and look, voters make choices. Uh, older voters aren't sitting here saying, oh, I agree with everything Biden says, everything Kamala Harris says. No, what they're saying is, I got two choices. I got Trump, Pence, I got Biden, Harris. Now, that doesn't mean you still don't hold Biden Harris accountable if they win. But what we do know is this here. If these are your issues and Trump Pence wins, you won't even get a, a discussion with them. They will be they would be diametrically opposed. That's why it tripped me out. When I hear these Bernie people yelling, if it ain't Bernie, we're going to vote for Trump. I'm going, you do know there's nothing Sanders agrees with Trump on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it. it, it there's a level of political sophistication that I think uh, a lot of people, a lot of Americans, and not just African-Americans, but a lot of Americans don't understand. It goes back to sort of having a real firm understanding of how civics and how the government works. you got to participate. you got to be able to, to rally around the choices that you have, or you create the choices. You run yourself, and you, you put yourself out there to do that. But saying that you're not going to participate is, is just a fool's errand if you think that you're going to try to get ahead. One of the things that we were interested in in looking at, at this study was um, 
the, the, the degree to which uh, African-Americans, particularly young African-Americans, feel disconnected and disaffected by the society. And we seem to think that there's a large level of that, a large level of people, a large number of people who just don't care, who have withdrawn. And, and I think that that presents an opportunity for the Democrats or for progressives, because if they were engaged, that's the way they would vote. Uh, the uh, remixtress on YouTube has a great comment, which I love. My nephew said he wasn't going to vote, and I told his dumb ass not to come back to my house because I'm quarantining from stupidity. <laughs> and again, I, and look, there are people out there who like rolling. You should make fun of young people. But, but this is what I'm saying. If your concern is student loan debt, if your concern is the environment, if your concern is housing, if your concern is public transportation, if your concern is income inequality... The reality is who is in elected office plays a role in all of that. And you must be willing to engage in the political process, because if you say, well, I'm just going to sit out and I'm going to wait. Well, exactly. Who are you waiting for? And by yeah. you sitting out yeah. and waiting, what you really are saying is I'm going to sit out and wait and let some other people pick somebody and then I'll pay attention. Well, actually, um, it, 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 it's a little worse than that. What they're actually saying is I'm not ever going to pay attention. Um, we conducted also focus groups in the same geographic areas across the age ranges. And we were astounded to learn that a lot of people just didn't believe that no matter whether they voted or didn't vote, uh, their lives were not going to be materially changed. They, they did not believe that participating in um, civic life, voting, uh, going to rallies, supporting candidates, they didn't believe any of that had any impact on their life. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, wait, wait, I'm, but I'm confused, though. But were these same people the ones calling for change and protesting? Yes, that's true. So, uh, we, so we found what, that, that okay, many okay. of them thought that the way that you could get what they wanted was to protest. They thought okay, protest. But, okay, but wait, wait, I'm, I'm confused. I'm confused. So they think they can get what they want by protesting, but who do they think is in charge of the very policies they want changed? Well, that goes, that goes back to what I was saying a minute ago. There, there is a huge gulf between their understanding of how real change takes place. Um, and that, that's a civic question. That's a civic uh, challenge to our society. And we wanted to sort of be able to put some empirical research into the question about how do we engage these people who who are opting out of the system, who are opting out of paying attention to how real systemic change. You're absolutely right to point out it happens through politics. That's the only way you get things done. So I I, I want to bring in uh, uh, our brother, Dr. Greg Carr. Greg Sam was a fellow alpha as well. Uh, Greg, look, you, you you teach college students, and again, you're they're protesting for change, but then checking out of a process, which is what they're protesting for. Well. Well, Roland, and first of all, thank you for bringing me in. And it's good to see you, Brother Fullwood. I remember your yes, 1996 yes, uh, Waking from the Dream, brother. Well, you said, you know, I thought they sold me a lie. America is not ready for this. So That's exactly so right. I, I, I'm, I'm sure you can um, sympathize with that attitude, particularly when I remember one of the charts. And first of all, thank you for this work. Uh, it seemed like 
the 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 group that these some of these young people among others thought was the most effective out there representing them was Black Lives Matter, even though the last thing on the list I think was activists. I mean, so it seemed to me that it might be a question of educators. I mean, education like 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 you, you know, I've spent most of my life with teenagers and twenty somethings in classrooms, and I wonder if you could help us understand the role of education earlier brother morial was on in the state of black america the urban league report it was saying that you know many of our young people are in classrooms with teachers with less than three years of experience they're not getting algebra two let me ask you this quick question on the chart i mean in in the survey in the research as you reported it out there was there were a couple of things that, that hit me struck me in terms that, that might lead to me asking whether or not education is is a challenge here you had a question, is Donald Trump a racist? 90% was the response, but among those 18 to 29-year-olds, 79% said. Then you say, is he incompetent? 90% of the people say yes, black people, but in the 18 to 29-year-old category, it was only 74%. And then finally, politicians look out for me. Maybe I read this wrong. Was that true that 47% of the 18 to 29-year-olds said that politicians look out for me? I'm trying to understand, or am I reading that backwards? In other words, is this a question of them just not maturing into education? Or are they being assaulted by education system that is underserving them? How are you, how are you reading the, the, the findings, you had? Brother Carr, you, you zeroed in on a whole lot of questions that we had when we looked at those numbers. The, 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 the disparity between saying that Donald Trump is not a racist, that large number, I have no explanation for you for that. I can't explain that. The best that I can get is that our pollster suggests that sometimes people answer questions just to trip up the pollster. And because that's the only explanation I can get for that. When, when you ask about um, uh, effective change agents, across the board, Black Lives Matter rated highest among all age groups. Uh, grassroots organizations and grassroots activists, even though they say that Black Lives Matter is high is at the bottom. Well, exactly, Black Lives Matter is a grassroots organization and a black group, a grassroots activist. So there's some disparity, I believe, that has to be attributed to survey fatigue or survey uh, wariness when, when, you, when you ask those kinds of questions. But I think overall, when you sort of look at the, the, the broad arc of what we found, is that there is this dissatisfaction with the way in which our political system is operated, and that there's this checking out among young people. Now, I also don't want to, I don't want to blast young people too much because across the board, young people are not as engaged in the political system as older people are. They, you know, the, the, the old theory is that once you get a job and you pay taxes, you pay more uh, attention <laughs> to politics. And, and I think that there is some still uh, truth to that. Plus, being able to get engaged in, in politics and voting is very difficult for young people who often are in sort of displaced kind of settings. If you're on a college campus at Howard, you may not know whether you can vote in Washington or back in Atlanta where your home is. And that becomes kind of a difficult kind of question. Plus, you're interested in other things. You're doing other things. And that voting just isn't very high on your on your uh, category of of needs to do and wants to do at a particular time. So uh, there's a lot more research that we think needs to be done in this area. Um, this was a preliminary report. 
Uh, and we're looking to dig a little bit deeper into this to answer some of these uh, anomalous questions that you so rightly point out, Brother Carr. Erica, you. Uh, you got a question? Sam Fullwood? I do. Um, and thank you again for um, this um, fantastic report. My question to you would be, I saw that uh, the sampling went across six battle states, three of those battleground states, three of those Wisconsin, Michigan, <clears throat> excuse me, and Pennsylvania. And I just wondered because uh, Donald Trump won those states by 77,000 votes. Is there an account for the voter suppression that took place in those um, states as well when you're um, thinking about respondents and the way that they respond? And then also, how do your findings match up against historical data around the youth vote? Um, two excellent questions. We did not ask uh, if the respondents in any of the states, including those those key states that were uh, disproportionately affected by voter suppression. What we did ask, uh, we didn't ask, you know, retroactively whether they felt that they, they didn't have an opportunity to vote. We did ask, however, uh, what is your attitude toward voter suppression going forward? Are you more inclined mm -hmm. to want to vote? Um, almost all of the across all age ranges people said that they were worried about losing um, the ability to, to have their vote count because of voter suppression, but that mm. also reinforced their desire to want to go out and vote. Um, that's a mm -hmm. part of the phase two findings that we're you're getting the scoop here, Roland, because that, that's part <laughs> of the, the, the phase two of our report. Well, we're going to talk about voter suppression and the attitudes of African-Americans uh, toward voter suppression. Um, and we had some findings in that. But one of the things that we did, as I mentioned, that we did find that we have not released yet is that African-Americans are highly concerned about voter suppression, but they're not going to let it stop them. Let me give you an example of that. We talked to a woman in Atlanta and she told us we did this back. We did the focus group back in uh, July, early July. And we mm -hmm. asked her about voting in, in November, coming November. She said she has mm -hmm. already lined up her babysitter, because she Nothing. knows she's going to have to stand in a long line. She did not want to send her ballot in by mail. And so she mm. has blocked out the whole day so that she can stand in line, rain, snow, whatever's going to happen in November, because she's going to be there. Another woman told us in, um, in Philadelphia, suburban Philadelphia, that she has already purchased a hazmat suit because she knows mm. that she's worried about COVID. And she knows that she's going to stand in a long line, that she wants to go out and vote. Wow. Reese, your question for Sam Fullwood. Yes, um, I have a comment and then a question. Um, for me, the way I took it with the Black Lives Matter, having a higher um, effectiveness versus grassroots organization is that Black Lives Matter is almost a brand and it's something that people use in terms of a hashtag. And so I can understand why people in that particular age group who are very active on social media, who feel like they're making a difference by, you know, hashtagging and, and raising awareness that way would identify with Black Lives Matter and thus mean that, you know, interpret it as being more effective. But my question is, did you at all consider the role of social media in terms of how attitudes uh, play into whether people are disaffected or not? Because we know that there has been a ongoing and even more robust campaign campaign to suppress the black vote 
through uh, actually making them um, feel like both parties are bad. It's not a matter of conversion. It's about you know pushing out all this disinformation and misinformation so that they just kind of throw their hands up and say, it's not worth it voting. Um, it's the lesser of two evils and I don't want to be involved. So have you considered social media in this at all? You're making me break news here, and I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to save my news for we, we, we ain't making you do it, but you can do it. <laughs> you're, you're twisting Two my times. arm here now, and I'm, I'm, I'm hurting on this. Yes, we did consider. We did consider the role of social media. Um, and what we found was that, true to form, young people are uh, using social media more that's the way that they get their information. That's where they get their news from. That's how they communicate. That's how they organize. Mm -hmm. And they view that as very powerful. Um, to your comment about uh, Black Lives Matter, um, what was remarkable, we, we sort of expected that young black people were going to say that. We did not expect that 60-plus uh, African Americans, uh, no matter the geography, all rated Black Lives Matter as the most effective change agent in the country. And across all age ranges, Black Lives Matter rated high. Now, it may be because that is, a, as you say, it is a brand, uh, but it also may be because it's, it's prominent in the news and it has uh, brought attention to issues that people were concerned about uh, in a way that contemporaneously other uh, other institutions and other organizations have not. So there may be sort of a, a, a uh, spillover from the George Floyd effect and from some of the other things that are in the news uh, that would account for that. All right, Sam Fullwood. Where, where can people go to see this, the full survey? Um, it's on the uh, American University uh, School of um, uh, Public Policy uh, website. I don't have that right in front of me. But that's where it, it's posted there at uh, AU's okay. uh, School of Public uh, Affairs website. All right. Sam Fullwood Center for, for Professional and Presidential Studies at American University. We certainly appreciate it. I always, got, I always good to have an alpha brother. That's why I got the alpha's vote shirt on today. We got to get in <laughs> vote. I appreciate Both it, man. Six. Yes, sir. Thanks a bunch. Thank you so much, Roland, and all of you for, for being out there. Folks. All right, Sam, thank you so very much. Folks, you heard Sam Fullwood talk about young voters and black people in, uh, across the board are concerned about voter suppression. What Donald Trump is trying to do with the post office is exactly that. Joining us right now uh, from uh, Kansas City, Congressman Emanuel Cleaver. Uh, Congressman, glad to have you on the show. Another good alpha brother. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, you know, with one of our sisters... Uh, just was nominated as uh, vice president on um, Democratic ticket. So not nominated yet, but will be. So I'm doing good. I'm doing good. <laughs> Indeed. It's time for uh, one of the brothers to get up there. <laughs> 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 well, it's time, it's time to make some changes here. That's the whole key. Let's talk about this here. To, to see what Donald Trump is doing, they do not care. And the fact that your Republican colleagues are saying nothing Nothing. Even the rural ones who you would think are, would be fighting for the Postal Service. Well, one, and I think they're going to get hurt in this campaign uh, uh, because I, I think uh, th they are being silent on this issue. And in the rural areas, I, I, look, when they redistricted me uh, uh, almost 10 years ago now, uh, they um, put me out in, into towns like... Uh, 
Excelsior Springs and Ulrich and Mayview and uh, Higginsville and Lawson and uh, Oak Grove and Odessa and Slater, all those in my district. I only have about 18% African-Americans, uh, but I represent all those uh, areas out there. And of course they don't have uh, our Fred out there represented much, but nonetheless, uh, they do survive in no small part uh, because of the post office. Uh, and, you know, uh, I, I think um, one of the problems that these uh, 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 members of Congress are going to have is explaining what they're doing to the post office. Look, if you if you live in a rural area right now, uh, or if the president's new uh, postmaster general, a guy by the name uh, of Louis DeJoy, who just incidentally, coincidentally, just donated $2 million to the Trump campaign, who, and then he was uh, uh, appointed as the Postmaster General. Uh, what he's trying to do is, is slow the mail down and say, we're going to stop uh, uh, the, the, the uh, uh, mail, hold the mail for a day longer to reduce costs. Well, out in the rural areas, there are not a lot of uh, pharmacies. So most of the people receive their medications by mail. We call it mail by medication. Uh, and, uh, uh, and so uh, I think that uh, there's going to be a revolt in these small towns uh, uh, because the president, uh, he probably wants them to vote, uh, but he's he's doing enormous damage to their communities. Uh, I was born in Waxahachie, Texas, uh, 12,000 people. My grandma uh, went to post office box 563 every day at 2 o'clock to meet uh, my aunt. Uh, you know, and and uh, Ed Lee, they they meet, uh, gossip, go back home, uh, and she did it uh, up until her 90s. Uh, so uh, they're going to destroy the post office, trying to do it to win an election. Now uh, they're creating a, a shortage of workers. They they fired a lot of the top employees at the postal service. Uh, they have um, uh, ended up uh, eliminating much of the institutional memory. So uh, they don't want people up there who know how the, who understand how the post office should operate. So so he's already fired uh, fired them. And you know the strange thing is Roland is that uh, the post office polls in the 90s, in the 90s, uh, one of the most highest polling institution in the United States. I think they're making a mistake, and I think Democrats will make a mistake if they don't go out and 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 uh, run campaigns, run their campaigns talking about the post office. Um, absolutely. Now, what can Congress do? I mean, I, someone tweeted that earlier. They were like, Democrats, what are y'all going to do? Well, you control the House, but you, but you don't control the Senate. And so when it comes to this funding, you could pass it in the House, but Mitch McConnell won't do jack in the Senate. Well, uh, it, we did. It, it is in the COVID uh, stimulus package, uh, funding for the post office. Uh, one of the reasons people uh, are asking me here at home, uh, why don't you guys, uh, you know, uh, 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 go ahead and pass the legislation that's compromised? Well, uh, why would I go and compromise, and which would uh, amount to dis destroying the postal service? Uh, uh, and we're saying the postal service, in our estimation, is worth saving, and. Uh, another thing that I think, uh, especially Af African-Americans ought to think about, uh, maybe this generation probably doesn't have that problem. But when I was a, a boy, uh, a teenager, if a black person had a job at the post office, 
they were up in the middle class. I mean, that was uh, big time. You know, you you could get a, uh, you know, a Thunderbird. Uh, <laughs> you know, she worked at the post office. I mean, this was this was big time stuff. So one of the reasons we haven't uh, uh, been able to compromise compromise because the Democrats know that Donald Trump wants to use the postal service uh, to suppress the vote, uh, and so and, and, uh, and also privatize. Yes, and, and that's the ultimate goal is to privatize. Uh, he wants he hates uh, Bezos, uh, the uh, who who owns Amazon, and so he wants to uh, you know and, and and frankly I think the the, the president uh, let me. Uh, say this, the president had not uh, put his attention on the post office until the post office about eight months ago signed a deal with Amazon uh, so that Amazon would, would do uh, some of the mail uh, in the smaller communities because it was it was too costly for the postal service to do it. So, uh, and I thought when that happened, Donald Trump said, That's, you're going too far. Uh, and, and, it, and I hope the voters will understand this. And in 2006, George uh, W. Bush signed legislation that the uh, Republicans were able to push through the House and the Senate. That's when they, uh, you know, uh, uh, were pretty much in charge of everything. And um, uh, in that bill, they 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 created a weird requirement of the Postal Service, and it was this: you have to not only run, serve run a, a profit, you have to pay for the health care for retirees seventy five years in the future. So when everybody talks about the post office is losing money, that's not true. Uh, in terms of the operation of the postal service, they they make a small profit, It's uh, of course. Uh, but the problem is that they, they're, they're uh, years, uh, right now probably about eight years behind uh, on, the, um, uh, on, the, on the prepayment for the retirees. And no other agency in the federal government, no other agency on the planet no other agency in the galaxy is required to do that except the Postal Service. A part of it is that, that, that the Postal Service is, is unionized. They hate that. And then secondly, uh, I, I think most of the, the majority of the workers, I think, are African-American. And then thirdly, uh, in, in a pandemic, African-Americans are voting by mail. All right, Congressman Emanuel Cleaver. Uh, we're going to keep uh, letting folks know about this and letting them know what they must do uh, to protect their right to vote because uh, it certainly is a precious right. Good to talk to you. Thank you very much, sir. Folks, uh, this was an ad, a, a ad that the Postal Service ran back in April. And, of course, they ran on Fox News. So I'm going to play this for you right now. Anthony, go to my iPad. We live in uncertain times. However, there is one thing you can be certain of. The men and women of the United States Postal Service... We're here to deliver cards and packages from loved ones and also deliver the peace of mind of knowing that essentials like prescriptions are on their way. Every day, all across America, we deliver for you. And we always will. We live in now, that was an ad that actually ran uh, in the month of um, in April. Then they dropped another one in May. Watch this. They're on the front lines of the pandemic because essential medicine and other critical mail need to get to all of us. But this emergency has devastated the post office's finances. While corporations get billions in stimulus funds, the Postal Service got nothing. And it could run out of money soon. That would mean the end of delivery to every address in America. 
Tell Congress to save the Postal Service because it's yours. All right, folks, and this is the latest one right here. Essential medicine and other critical mail need to get to all of us. You guys should have it. You guys should have it in the control room. You should have the one in the control room. Yep. After five draft deferments and faked bone spur excuses, Donald Trump has finally gone to war with the U.S. Postal Service. Yeah, the post office. The one that American troops have relied on for over 200 years to bring news from home and deliver our absentee ballots safely back home. And when our service was through, to deliver life-saving prescriptions on time from the VA. Today and every single workday, 330,000 veterans are due a prescription drug delivery by the U.S. Postal Service. And today, tens of thousands aren't getting their prescriptions because Donald Trump declared war on the mail. Firing workers, disrupting deliveries, defunding operations. The thing is, this is just a warm-up for the fall. Donald Trump plans to disrupt absentee ballots and vote by mail for millions of Americans in the middle of a pandemic he failed to control. Because Donald Trump knows if the mail delivers ballots to America's veterans, we'll deliver a message right back. You lose. Of course, that was the folks from VoteVets.org who actually... Uh, drop that one there. And again, it's, it's one of those things that, um, you know, what you're seeing here, what you're seeing uh, uh, Trump do, th at some point you would think uh, somebody on the other side of the aisle would say, okay, look, dude, we know you're nuts, but this just makes no sense whatsoever. But again, he doesn't care. He doesn't care about any rules. He cares about nothing. And then you have people, of course, in the White House uh, uh, press uh, corps who really want to be as deferential as possible, but as opposed to saying, no, we got to call this man out. Don Winslow has been dropping these, these just vicious, uh, hard-hitting ads. Check out this one that he's dropped about Donald Trump. What happens if you stop letting Trump interrupt you and just wave you off? And yet, excuse me, excuse me. How does that go to the U.S. default on the public Excuse me. You're a billionaire, though. Why would you not move it here just for having it in America? Excuse me. After three years, what if you simply call a lie a lie on national television instead of a false statement or some other polite phrase? How many times Trump has said things that simply aren't true? What if you interrupted Trump and corrected him in real time when he took credit for policies President Barack Obama actually did? We'll always protect you on pre-existing conditions, much more so than the Democrats. What if you directly followed up and asked the same question Trump just refused to answer for your colleague? Please, go ahead in the back. Please. I have two questions. No, it's okay. But we'll you go, pointed yeah. to me. I have two questions, Mr. Next. President. Next, please. But you didn't. You called on me. What a stupid question that is. What a stupid question. But I watch you a lot. You ask a lot of stupid questions. What if the next time Trump called one of your colleagues stupid, the entire White House Correspondents Association got up and walked out in protest? What if you stopped being so polite? You are fake news. You know what, Reese? That's it. You got to call a lie a lie. I can tell you, 
when he first got there, all these people, they were like, well, no, they were trying, they were dancing all around. And I remember I went on ABC and I said, y'all, a liar lies. It's a lie. Call right. it what it is. This man continues to say he signed this veterans bill that Obama signed in 2014. He literally repeats the lie. Oh, yeah, we gave veterans choice. Obama signed it. This fool didn't. Right. I mean, the, the nature of the press is supposed to be adversarial. But what it is, it has become deferential because people want to maintain access. And Donald Trump uh, is a very abusive person. He has also um, refused to show the deference to media that other presidents have shown in the past. And so I think that people are just flat out scared of him. He's a bully. And as a result, they're just trying to get through their question and move on and not try to engage in a way that they really should. I mean, if we had like the foreign press, for instance, if you see how they interview um, elected officials, we would see a completely different tenor and he would be held accountable. But this is the same press that barely made a peep when for uh, months at a time, um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Sanders um, no, actually, it was the person right before uh, Kaylee McEnany, uh, the 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 um, the first lady's press person came over, and she never once held a press conference, and you didn't hear howls and screams about it, and so. I think that the mainstream media, unfortunately, most of them are way too compliant when it comes to Donald Trump. They just want to keep their access. They just want to get along and go along. Well, and, and that's what it is. And the problem is uh, they don't want to challenge him. And then when somebody does, Erica, it's like, oh, my God, that was amazing journalism. No, it wasn't. It was just doing your damn job. Yeah, absolutely. And if they had more of a panel, more people that are in their newsrooms, they look like all of us, then we would definitely see this particular son of a Klansman uh, covered very differently to include his backup dancers that are known as Republicans. And so I think it's not just about access. I think it's also that there's money involved in covering Donald Trump. We're seeing like how uh, the um, Jonathan Swan uh, gentleman from uh, Axios, he did the interview. He has given unprecedented access to Axios, who appears across all of the morning shows. Um, they have an HBO deal. They've expanded quickly and very well, unlike um, some other non-white facing media groups. <laughs> but, um, you know, we saw that after his interview that you know, it was the swan dive and there was all kind of this praise around Jonathan Swan. And and I have to be very frank and be very honest. Anytime I see someone who's not black kind of be lifted forward and now they're appearing on all across these media um, uh, channels, they um, are now contributors, meaning they're getting paid for what they're saying. They have book deals. They're at the Aspen Institute. It pisses me off because I think about, you know, there are black journalists, Roland Martin, all of these others who have been calling out this person, this collection of matter known as Donald Trump since day one. And so now that there's kind of this, oh, my gosh, I think it's not a falsehood, it's a lie. You know, it's almost too little, too late. So I really don't have a lot of respect um, because I do have political muscle memory. Um, a lot of respect for those people who, you know, now are calling him a liar um, and are really being credited for what black journalists such as yourself, Roland, and many others have been doing for quite some time. Well, Greg, it's laughable to me when I see, I see all these reactions. I mean, I look at sites like Mediaite, which covers the media, uh, never do anything in the segments that we have on this show. Uh, and I, every time I look up, there's always something with Fox News, CNN, MSNBC. And I'm like, you do know your site is called Mediaite. And that's that. it's not called 
cable news media-ite. There are other things out there. But again, this unwillingness to challenge uh, these folks. And, and, and I got some people who hit me. They say, Roland, you know, why won't you let Republicans finish? I said, if they come on my show and don't lie, I'll let them finish. But here's the deal. I do, and this, is, this, has been, this has not been new to me. When I had my radio show in Chicago on WVON, my deal was very simple. If someone starts to lie, I am going to interrupt them because I cannot allow my audience watching to go, oh, well, Roland didn't say anything, so clearly what they said must be true. No, I'm not going to let people lie on the show and then, like these networks do, and then just let it slide. No, it ain't going to happen. No, brother. And in fact, you know, what is the function of the news? What is the function of the press in a society? Um, one of the functions, theoretically, is to speak truth to power. You know, that's why we have a First Amendment here. Now, we know, of course, the United States of America is an aspirational concept. It has never been, in fact, what it claimed to have been, uh, you know, in, in its language. And that's why I mentioned Sam Fullwood's book, you know, 1996. He wrote a book called Waking from the Dream. He said, if I colored in the lines, did everything right, I thought that this would be the reward. He said, and then I found out that that's not how America works. And I remember he, he ends the book by saying it might be too late for America. And I think this is something we really need to understand at this moment. We have to understand that the post office in particular, this is a perfect storm of a convergence of two interests of the white nationalist party. The white nationalist party, uh, like the Democratic Party to a lesser extent in terms of the field in which it operates, is undergirded by money. So Erica hit it on the head. This is about money. That's one element. But then it's also kept in the public eye and given political support because of what you've said. It's direct appeal to white nationalism. Now, how, how does that relate to the post office? The United States Post Office is the central nervous system of the United States of America. It is not only, as we heard uh, Brother Cleaver, I started to say Reverend Cleaver, even though he's a minister, Representative Cleaver say it's not only the place that delivers your mail, delivers your medicine, your checks. It's also the place, particularly in rural communities, that serves as the kind of nexus for the community. It's often in the same place as everything else in little towns that aren't really towns. When you undermine that, yep. you are, you're playing with the concept of America. Now, now where, where, where am I going with this? And then I end very quickly. When you see... George Bush and them attack it, as, as, as Manuel Cleaver said, in 2007, that's with a direct eye toward privatizing the post office. See, they were going they, they, they put that 75-year pension thing in the future so that they could get their hands on that business. You see, get their hands on that business. Now, you fast forward to where we are now, and now you've got a convergence between that business interest, they want to privatize it, and the white nationalist party wanting to continue to hold power. But here's where the problem comes. And here's where I would agree with Sam Fullwood, even though he was just talking about the black community. I'm talking about this whole concept called the United States of America. When you ruin the United States post office, and when you then go on to ignore anybody's attempt to stop you, because remember, Benny Thompson is the chair of Homeland Security. He could call this clown Louis DeJoy in, and he'll probably ignore any subpoena to come testify to what's going on. But when you undermine the post office, you don't put it back together. This country is going to fracture. It's going to dissolve. Many of us, myself included, won't shed a tear. 
Because what's going to come after that is the potential of rebuilding society. It might be regions of this country. It might be clusters of people of goodwill. It might be the cities. But whatever comes in the wake of that, what you're not going to have is what was there before it. These white nationalists are going to mess around and destroy their little project. And this is evidence of it. And anybody not talking about it, anybody not coming in and tell this man he's a liar to his face, and I promise you, look, uh, uh, Michelle Sender, um, April Ryan, and his sister Abby worked for us. Uh, Abby, Abby Phillips. Abby Phillips. I'm telling you right now, and I'm not, I'm not trying to gender this, but I'm imagining her. Uh, let me just say this. Their mothers, their, their sisters, their cousins, their, their, their significant others, their brothers. I'm saying, you talk to Gussie Carr like that, big boy, and we're going we to have a conversation. I don't give a who you are. You're, you're stupid. Look, man, what, at what point does self-respect enter this conversation, mm -hmm. bro? That's mm -hmm. what I want to know. And, and, and understand how they, how they think. Uh, Ari Fleischer actually tweeted this today, y'all. Look at this. Just as I thought, Biden is talking now and CNN is taking him live, which they don't do for Trump. Could their double standard be more glaring? Y'all, they showed empty podiums in 2016. They, they showed nearly every rally, and he's upset because when Donald Trump lies in his news conferences, they're not taking it because he's a liar. And I need y'all to understand. I know some of y'all are sitting here watching. It's like, okay, but you're like, why are you keep hitting this vote thing hard? First of all, y'all need to understand, I'm going to hit voting every single day. Okay? I'm going to wear as many of these. Give me a wide shot. I'm going to wear as many of these shirts as possible because I'm purposely hitting y'all with messaging. You can zoom out. I'm purposely, no, zoom out. Don't, don't, yeah. I'm purposely hitting you with messaging constantly because here's why. I need y'all to understand these people are directly trying to keep you from voting because you have been too powerful. You, yeah. black people, y'all have been way mm -hmm. too powerful. Larry Cutlow was on CNBC. Watch what he said. So much of the uh, Democratic uh, asks are really liberal left wish lists. We don't, we don't want to have vote, you know, voting rights and aid to uh, aliens and so forth. That's not our game. And the president can't accept that okay. kind of deal. I want you to run it again. Run it again. So much of the uh, Democratic uh, asks are really liberal left wish lists. We don't, we don't want to have vote, you know, voting rights and aid to uh, aliens and so forth. That's not our game. And the president can't accept that kind of deal. Run it again. So much of the uh, Democratic uh, asks are really liberal left wish lists. We don't, we don't want to have vote, you know, voting rights and aid mm -hmm. to uh, aliens mm -hmm. and so forth. That's not our game, and the president can't accept that okay. kind of deal. Okay, you're going to run it one more time. So much of the uh, Democratic uh, asks are really liberal left wish lists. We don't, we don't want to have vote, you know, voting rights and aid mm -hmm. to uh, aliens mm -hmm. and so forth. That's not our game, and the president can't accept that okay. kind of deal. Voting rights, that's not our game, our game, Reese. The president's not going to accept it. Oh, those are just uh, liberal things they want. Voting rights. They are very clear. And that's, and that's the thing that just blows my mind. 
For people mm -hmm. who think it doesn't matter, why the hell would these the most powerful person in the world try to stop you from exercising mm -hmm. a right that doesn't matter? Are people not getting that part? If it didn't matter, why would they try to stop you so hard? It matters. And this is the last grasp for these people. We're poised with a Biden-Harris ticket to have a seismic shift in terms of not only just having the first black woman vice president, but having a potential first black woman president and a pipeline of black elected officials and black elected uh, appointed officials come in and really reshape the way that our government works. But not just that, we have a record number of black women running for Congress throughout the country. We have several black men and actually one black woman that are that are running for Senate this session. We have governors, we have all of this power that is right within our grasp. People have to move past just screaming and shouting and actually exercise their right to vote. If it wasn't powerful, they would not be trying to stop you. They would not care as much as you want to vote, go on ahead and knock yourself out. But they have been doing this for actually decades, you know, centuries really. But people have to wake up. If you don't trust Trump, if you don't trust his intentions, then you should really, really be understanding that the fact that they will do everything in their power to stop you from voting is all the more reason that you should vote. This mm -hmm. is what people yes. have to understand. This party, Erica, and I don't want to hear the crap from Dinesh D'Souza and the rest of them. They are like, Democrats are the party of the KKK. Democrats fought against Reconstruction. Democrats are... Guess what? The party today in 2020, where you typically... Who is likely to make racist comments? Who's typically mm -hmm. likely to compare Michelle Obama to a monkey? Who is the party of birtherism? Who is the party that is doing the same thing that Southern Dixiecrats did to black people in the 1960s? The GOP, the grand old party. And here's the deal, and I don't care what anybody says, you must burn it all down because, and vote every single one of them out because if you are a Republican who has said nothing about the attacks on the post office and who has said nothing about voter suppression, you do not deserve to be in office. At all. And just as a reminder, all 435 House seats are up in this general election. For people that want to be a part of this whole kind of um, checked out group of sycophantic Republicans, you're welcome to do that. But for everyone else, that really is interested on this Black Woman's Payday 2020 and ensuring that we do move closer to closing that particular uh, equity gap um, because we see that white men, excuse me, still are lead earners in this country, that they um, absolutely understand that exercising a vote in this year will determine how their lives will go November 4, 2020, moving forward. Like, this is not a drill. This is not a game. 
I'm always um, fascinated by those individuals who spend more time on social media having conversation about things that do not matter, that do not impact their do not impact their daily lives. When we talk about politics, we're not just talking about we talk about it from a very broad place, but we're also this entire panel. We're talking about how politics interfaces with you every single day. And so to um, welcome in, because that's essentially what's happening for those individuals who um, talk about they're not voting or they want to try to recall the history of the Whig Party, the Republican Party, the Democrat Party, Independence, Libertarian, Green Party. I mean, we could go on. What we need to do is look at the past four years and what is the quality of life look like as it relates to the party, as you so um, laid out, Roland, of those who have been oppressing your right to vote, have um, said that um, national strategy be damned, just wear a mask or don't wear a mask. The same party that's ensuring the same week that we saw moratoriums about to expire, July 31st, that there were two more federal judges that were confirmed to the bench, that all of these pieces connect, that if a person is more actively outraged on simple stuff on social media, then they deserve all of the hell that is going to be um, that um, Donald Trump so willingly is ready to give if they do not exercise their right to vote. This is not a game. This is a time to get in, get information. Uh, speaking of that, I'm before Greg speaks, uh, I'm going to play this video. Y'all, this was four years ago. This was four years ago. And I want you to listen to what I said four years ago shortly after these idiots put Donald Trump in the White House. Get right to uh, the issue at hand. Y'all have already been talking about it. We've been discussing it right here on TV One. After yesterday's despicable news conference by President Donald Trump, I was in my car uh, trying to decide what is it that I wanted to listen to uh, to put into proper context my feelings about what we heard. And I thought back uh, to the first black woman elected from the South since Reconstruction, uh, Congresswoman Barbara Jordan of Houston. Here's what she had to say in 1973 at the Watergate hearings. Earlier today, we heard the beginning of the preamble to the Constitution of the United States. We the people. It's a very eloquent beginning. But when that document was completed on the 17th of September in 1787, I was not included in that we the people. I felt somehow for many years that George Washington and Alexander Hamilton just left me out by mistake. But through the process of amendment, interpretation, and court decision, I have finally been included in We the People. Today, I am an inquisitor, and hyperbole would not be fictional and would not overstate the solemnness that I feel right now. My faith in the Constitution is whole, it is complete, and I am not going to sit here and be an idle spectator to the diminution, the subversion, the destruction of the Constitution. 
Sybil, just like Congresswoman Barbara Jordan, I will not be an idle spectator to avoid white supremacists sitting in the White House. I will not be an idle spectator to see Donald Trump walk in the footsteps of Republican Herbert Hoover, who led the Lily White movement when he was president from 1929 to 1933. I will not sit idly by to see Donald Trump act like Democrat uh, uh, Woodrow Wilson, one of the most violent racists we've ever had served in the office of the president. The fact of the matter is yesterday's news conference was shameful. It was despicable. It was it was him giving the middle finger to black people, to Jews, to Hispanics, to Asians, to women's, to white people of conscience. This is a president who has no shame. He is an immoral leader. Now, I know some people out there will say, well, he was elected. But yes, but guess what? Wilson was elected. So was Hoover was elected and other races who have served in that particular White House. What this man has done by lining himself with neo-Nazis and with white supremacists is shameful and should not go unchecked. But it's not just a question of going unchecked. It go, we must do more than simply tweet and comment on Facebook. This is a challenge. This is a declaration of war. I also talked about, again, uh, what I was listening to, and I had to play this, Tom, by Reverend Charles Jenkins. Many of you might have heard this. Tom, for 398 years, black folks have been fighting this country to ensure that it lives up to its ideals. For 398 years, we've made it perfectly clear we're not going to sit idly by and allow ourselves to be embarrassed and run over and shamed by white supremacists. This is the 190th anniversary of the first black newspaper, Freedom's Journal, which was founded in March 1827. In their lead editorial, they wrote, we wish to plead our own cause. Too long have others spoken for us. This is a moment where we don't need anybody else to speak for us. We can speak with clarity and with precision as to exactly what is required of us. And what this requires, it requires alphas and kappas and omegas and sigmas, iotas, aka's, deltas, zetas, sigma gamma rho, the links. It requires the, the Prince Hall Masons. It requires me by me. It requires people of conscience to stand up, whether you are bougie, whether you are grassroots, whether you are, in, wh 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 no matter where you are, it requires black people and other people of conscience to say we are going to oppose any effort to go back to the days of Jim Crow, to go back to the days after Reconstruction when you had the Redeemer movement by Democrats, when the Lily White movement by white folks as well in this country on the Republican side. We have seen this before, and every time it has happened, we fought back. And what that means is it's time for folks to stand up and mobilize and organize. It means that when it comes to the ballot box, I don't care who you are, I don't want to hear anybody say my vote does not matter, because when you see a white supremacist at 1600 Pennsylvania 
avenue. All you need, that's the only proof you need to show your vote does indeed matter. What that means is we need people in Virginia, in Tennessee, in Mississippi, in Alabama, in Texas, in Georgia, in Florida, in Illinois, in California, in Wisconsin, in Michigan, in Pennsylvania to say enough is enough. What it means for us to go to city council meetings, county commissioner meetings, state meetings, go to the governor's mansion and say we are going to rain a holy hell down on any politician who stands with Donald Trump. Mm. If you think we are playing, you are wrong. The previous generation, the baby boomers, they stood up. Our grandmothers and grandfathers stood up. Our mothers and fathers stood up. It is time for Gen X and Gen Y and millennial generation to stand up and say we are going to take this fight on and go after anybody who stands in our path. I will not stand idly by and listen to Donald Trump anymore. I will not listen to a man who is an immoral leader. I will not listen to anybody, whether they are black Republican, who agrees with him, who voted for him, who continues to apologize for him. And you will be name checked, you will be embarrassed, and you will not be invited to anything that involves black people. It is time for us to call people out. It is time for us to realize that we cannot wait. In 2018, we're going to commemorate the 50th anniversary of Dr. King being assassinated. We're going to focus on the 50th anniversary of the Kerner Commission's report on the race riots in 1967. Do understand this is a moment where people are going to have to decide whose side they are on. Are you on the side of righteousness? Or are you on the side of bigotry? Mm. Are you on the side of just people? Or are you on the side of white supremacists? There is not going to be any any effort to say I can stand on either one and I don't care who you are if you are Republican or Democrat you have been served notice mm -hmm. if you stand with this man if you support white nationalist policies we are going to take you out at the ballot box and put people of conscience in Heather Hayer is going to be buried today she is a 21st century version of Viola Uzo a white woman from Michigan who died trying to help black folks to vote this is not a black thing or Hispanic thing or Asian thing, it's a conscious thing. Mm. This is a battle for the soul of America, and like the Tuskegee Airmen said, we will fight to the last hour, to the last minute, to the last second. We will fight, fight, fight. Number 45, game on. Weekdays on TV One. I will never lie to you. Oh my God. Roland Martin. He doesn't want to talk to us. Yes, come on. Why y'all showing a promo of a show that no longer exists? Greg Carr, you were sitting on that set. Yeah. Sitting next to Liz Copeland. That's right. That has right, that has to be our attitude for the next 81 days. Well, for, for our whole lives, Roland, I think what, what we just watched, and by the way, whether it be Lawrence O'Donnell and eventually Chris Hayes and others who have followed in the wake, you've been saying that from day one. Now they become more emboldened, Don Lemon and others. Well, they won't, they, they won't invite me on their shows, but go ahead. Oh, no, 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 they won't, but they watch yours because it took them two years, two and a half, three years, but they finally start talking like that a little bit. They still ain't, you know, got a whole lot of bass in their voice. But the, the important thing, <laughs> I think, that, that we just saw there, you know, it's funny when you say immoral leader. See, you, you believe in something that's bigger than the United States. That was a sermon. And I think that is the one thing that you and I and Reese and Erica and, and, you know, our people have in common with Larry Kudlow. Mm -hmm. You know, we have faith, but our faith and, you know, I love Barbara Jordan. I mean, brilliant orator. You know, when, when Barbara Jordan said her faith in the Constitution is perfect, I appreciate that. I honor that. But there's some, at some point, we're going to have to have a real conversation with that, because my reading is she's making a fundamental mistake 
because that immorality you were talking about isn't derived from reading the U.S. Constitution. I suspect it's informed much more by the Christian Bible. And Larry Kudlow has a faith as well. His faith is in white nationalism and money. And that's bigger than the United States. See, the United States, you got to think of the United States. That's why he says it's not our game. The United States is a game. It's a state. That means it doesn't have an, an anchor in a thing beyond itself. So when we, when we talk, we go to biblical scripture and it says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay, the substance of things hoped for, that's that aspirational America that Barack Obama was talking about that we thought once we got one person in, it's going to do something, which is why I did what you suggested. I went to vote.org. I checked. I voted a couple of months ago. I still went. I even kicked a little money into them. I'm going to vote for Biden-Harris, and when they get inaugurated, I'm going to work like hell to bend them to the will of the people because I don't care who's in office because we got to understand our faith can't be in politics as the end because when we understand cut those faith is in money and white nationalism so is trump so is this this little creature right here stephen miller this book just came out hate monger this is the book on stephen miller 34 years old sitting up there i have nothing in common with this man but what they count on which is why people being civil what they count on is the idea that somehow the american negro sometime between when the boats pulled up and now converted our faith in something much bigger than the United States to a faith in the United States. And see, that then is like in basketball when you pick up your dribble and freeze the the person who's playing defense. They think they can freeze us by continuing to say, well, you have to subpoena us and then you have to come and appeal to the court. Meanwhile, they understand they don't give a damn about none of that. Their faith is in something else. Now, what they don't understand finally about us is that our faith was always in something else, too. So even though Barbara Jordan can say her faith in the Constitution is perfect, trust me, her mom and them, her family and them, their faith was in something bigger than that. And woe be the day, white nationalists, when you wreck your little experiment, because you're going to find out that we never believed in the United States as the end-all and be-all. And once we Mm -hmm. become clear that you don't believe in it, we might actually make some progress because we just tear this whole damn thing down. And, and, and that really is, is what we're talking about because we, we are dealing with a man who will flout the law, who does not care. For all of Barack Obama's cautiousness, his patience, his sense of decency and respect, this man has said, I don't give a damn about any of that. And the white folks who are supporting him And those few Latinos and those few black people and the rest of them, what they are saying is we got no problem with the thug in chief. See, that's why that's why after the next 82 days. I don't want to hear a damn thing for none of them. None Mm -hmm. of them. See, Mm -hmm. I I, I don't want to hear Newt Gingrich uh, talking trash about Senator Kamala Harris. I don't want to hear Newt Gingrich, uh, who actually, uh, let me just pull up, because I, I just want y'all to understand what, what, what we're dealing with here, uh, because w- when you're dealing with these thugs who have no sense of decency, when you're dealing with that idiot, Jerry Falwell Jr., who they had to replace because he was uh, j- just so pathetic, so-called Christian University. This is what Newt Gingrich tweeted on yesterday. Kamala Harris is such an aggressive personality that she will quickly join Pelosi and Schumer in dominating Biden. As Biden grows weaker and weaker, the election will focus on Harris's radical left positions and her ruthless use of government power to impose radical values. Nobody. Well, actually, I'm going to take one line from Greg. See, Gingrich 
can speak about being ruthless and using government power because that's what that thug did. That's what yeah, he on, did bro. when he took out <laughs> Jim Wright. That's what that yeah. thug did. And see, you want to talk about Senator Kamala Harris, aggressive personality? How aggressive can you be when your wife is sick and you cheating on her mm. and you ask her for a divorce mm. from the hospital Come bed? Oh, yeah, I went there. Because, see, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to hear a lecture from any of these fraudulent individuals. Damn you, yes. Franklin Graham. Damn you, Ralph Reed. Damn you, yeah. Robert Jeffers. Damn you, all of you fake Paula White, you too. Damn all of you fake Christians who say Come nothing on, about this immoral man. You say nothing no about his birther wife who has yet to apologize to mm. Michelle Obama and Barack Obama for her birtherism. And now, all of a sudden, now, y'all want to bring up birtherism again. You had some fool who got beaten by Kamala Harris who writes a piece in Newsweek trying to somehow suggest, is she actually an American? Is she legitimate? Can she be on the ticket? And then the folks at Newsweek want to sit here and say, oh, y'all got this whole thing wrong. Why we ran it? Hell no, you ran. That's why we not going to read you. What I'm mm. trying to get all y'all to understand I said this means war. And let me tell y'all something. I remember getting a phone call from the CEO of TV One. Oh, just, I mean, what are you doing? And then the president of the network, what are you doing? I said, damn it, I'm laying down a marker. Right. Because yeah. I needed them to understand that you can't be black media. Mm. You can't be black owned media and be scared. Preach wrong. You can't. In where do we go from here, chaos or community? Dr. King mm. said there are four <laughs> institutions that are prime position to lead black folks to liberation. He said the black church, the black press, Negro fraternities and sororities, and black professional organizations. He specifically said the black press must maintain its militancy and not fall to the conservatives. And that, and that really is the fundamental problem. That's really where we are right now. See, that's why I'm not playing games when it comes to these folk, when it comes to spending dollars with black-owned media. I'm not accepting mm -hmm. pennies on the dollar. No, I want the whole damn dollar. Come on. And so at some point, <laughs> this is the moment when black folks have got this generation... Reese, this generation has got to have the damn courage that their mamas and daddies and grandmothers and grandfathers had. Otherwise, these folk will run over us if we don't. Listen, Roland, I have stomped a hole in anybody that has come for Kamala Harris, Democrat or Republican. I went to war with Chris Dodd, Ed Rendell, David Axelrod. I am never scared. And if I could go to war with Democrats and rip their ass apart, you can better believe when it comes to these Republicans, I'm about to tap that ass for the next 80 days and however long it takes <laughs> to get these motherfuckers okay. out of office. And so we have okay. to stop with the civility. We have to stop right. with the mints and words. We have to stop with kowtowing and the buck dancing mm -hmm. and being afraid to call it what it is. That same yeah. energy that people have and going against the black folks, the people like the CBC members or Senator Kamala Harris, who's making history now, 
Take that energy towards Mitch McConnell. Take that energy Come towards on, Donald Trump. Take that energy towards the first master general. We have the yeah. ability to get outraged. We have the ability to go to war. But unfortunately, we spend so mm -hmm. much time going to war with the people that we need to be joining arms with, at least for the next 83 days. Whatever problem you have or whoever the hell you have a problem with in the Democratic Party, you got to set that aside because these Republicans are ruthless and we have to be even more ruthless. We have to ruffle even more feathers. We have to shake the table like we haven't shaken it before. We got to take the, the, the energy towards those who will keep their foots on our necks. And if we do not right. win in November, we are we are done. We are done. Right. And I know Dr. Carr says that this, you know, he's 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 fine to see this American experiment kind of go a certain way. I don't have that kind of faith, Dr. Carr, about what's on the <laughs> other side of that. So for me, I'm trying to see us get back to where we need to get to and make sure that we take out the people that need to be taken out, and that's Donald Trump and all his cronies. And Erica, here's the deal. That's right. I got white yes. folks who watch the show who actually sent money in. I need them to have the same courage. There's a reason mm -hmm. in that commentary I mentioned Viola Lyonzo. There's a reason mm -hmm. I can mention James Reed. There's a reason, because there were white folks who died during the black freedom movement. And white, and we, we've seen white folks of courage out in these streets dealing with Black Lives Matter. But this is the moment where, like I keep saying, you can't, this can't be close. This, ele oh, no. this election cannot be close. Donald Trump and the Republican Party, they already plan to sue. Already. No, no. You got mm. to beat his ass by 500,000 votes in Florida and in Texas mm -hmm. and in Georgia. Yeah. You got to beat him by 500,000. Like my man said, it, remember the Titans, Herman, leave no doubt. That's mm. right. That's right. And, you know, honestly, what you and Reese said, I mean, it's time to pass the collection plate. Listen, this is war, right? Roland has said it. Reese has laid it out. And I'm sure Dr. Carr is going to really kind of put uh, the icing on the cake. But this is war. And for the amount of time, and I have to continue to go back to this because, honestly, it's a case against the simples and about it. Um if you are a simple person, then a simple person would be more relegated to kind of having these arguments and comments and social media talking about things that don't have any type of bearing over your liberties and over the semblance of freedom that we do have remaining. This is a time to focus. And so, again, what Reese talked about is all of that energy that people put towards um, biting and talking about um, the 55, I believe it is, members of the Congressional Black Caucus. People talk about folks that are doing the unsexy behind-the-scenes work as legislators to ensure that there is a voice at the table that is representative of Black folks, their constituencies, working class, poor, rural, all of that. To actually put that energy into, as we've been talking about for quite some time here on Roll of Martin Unfiltered, get your voting plan together. Because, see, what you're not going to hear in the birther conversation is Raphael Edward Cruz, a.k.a. Ted Cruz, who was mm, born in Canada, okay, whose father um, actually uh, claimed political asylum here in the United States from Cuba. You're not going to hear about the late John McCain that was born in Panama, but you will mm. hear it around black-facing um, folks. So, honestly, people need to step away from the conversation, calling into question 
who Kamala Harris is. She's a black woman, damn it. She has led on the executive level. Anything you need to know about comprehensively, comprehensively around Senator Kamala Harris, go see Reese. go to her Twitter page. She has a few threads that comprehensively lay out these really simple conversations where people are trying to wax poetic about what they don't know about. Listen, if you want to have some semblance of what remains of this democracy come November 4th, get your voting plan together, shut the hell up with the silly, simple talk that gets you nowhere, that does not get us closer to actually having a national strategy, to actually paving the way into making some real inroads around these uh, different crises that we have going on, as we saw in the Biden-Harris press conference this afternoon, and get ready to vote, period. Greg, this and, and, and Greg, and I really need people listening to understand. Right. First of all, first of all, right. we got... Right now, we got, you know, it's uh, we about, about to hit 7,000 uh, on uh, on YouTube. We almost got 2,000 on Facebook. But here's the deal. And, and I, I did an interview earlier today. The big problem we also facing with right now, and, I, and, and, and just y- y'all, for the, those of y'all who got kids watching, I'm giving you a warning in advance. <laughs> the fundamental problem is we're being fed too much bullshit from black media. Oh, God. Oh, God. Mm. We're being fed games. We've been playing. We've been fed music and gossip. Y'all need to understand. Look, we ain't playing here. Greg, (laughs) Greg, this this thing for me, when I say it's war, I'm 51. I'll be 52 in November. This, I'm not approaching this election about me. This is about my nieces and nephews. This is about their unborn children. That's what this is about. Mm -hmm. And let me also be clear, Greg, and I want you to speak to this here. I need everybody to understand, when I say hashtag fire Trump in November, Roland is not saying I'm going to give the Democratic Party and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris uh, Mm -hmm. easy. No, 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 no. I'm not giving them runway. No, 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 no. I need y'all to understand. I plan on holding them accountable. Two mm-hmm. issues. And y'all can go check my record. Go pull the four, go, go pull the Essence <laughs> article that I ran in January 2009. Go pull what mm-hmm. I said. Go pull what I wrote in my book. The first, President Barack Obama's Road to the White House, as originally reported by Roland S. Martin. Go pull the four years of Washington Watch and the four years mm-hmm. of News One Now. When I was sitting here holding them accountable, there's a reason I did not get an exit interview. Mm. So I need y'all to understand this ain't about, oh, you being a Democrat. No, what this is about is the fact that if that man, Trump, and Pence, two of the most evil folks you've ever seen, they yeah. will control appointing half of all federal judges in America. Mm-hmm. They've already appointed 203. They're only 800 mm-hmm. or so. They get four more years. They're going to hit 500. Easy. Mm-hmm. This, is right. about, yeah. this is about them rolling back environmental protection. Rolling back yep. civil rights. The man has already said mm-hmm. this white folks in suburbia. Oh, I ain't let no low income folk come out here. Yeah. He ain't got no housing plan. His opportunity zones, they can't even provide us. Information. I sent an email mm-hmm. two months ago saying, where's the information on how it's going? They didn't even respond. And mm-hmm. so I need y'all to understand what they what these folks want to do. They absolutely, Greg, want to submit 
cement white nationalism for the next two generations. That's mm -hmm. the game plan. Well, it absolutely yeah. is. And, and of course, it's not going to work because the country will just fracture. So, yeah, Reese, I, I, you know, I'm not looking forward to it. I would prefer because our people will be the ones hit. But if they, are, if they do steal this election, it won't mean the end of the people who live in the country. It's just going to mean the country's going to fracture. Because California is mm -hmm. not going to keep carrying the Dakotas. You see, Georgia and Texas are changing demographically, and uh, New York is not going to keep carrying Iowa and Montana. I mean, so, so what will happen is this thing is going to come apart. So if you want yeah. this country to continue in its current configuration, you better go out there and vote. Now, I have friends and, and, and colleagues, we debate, we argue, and I agree with their general assessment in terms of how nations come and go, but they are, uh, they're, they're more willing to see that happen. So some of them will sit that out. Right. And so, you know, I, I understand their philosophy, but I also say it's our people who are going to get hurt. And it's, uh -huh. it's important to understand, you know, uh, I've, spent, I've been spending a lot of time over the last month and a half since C.T. Vivian and John Lewis left with the wee hours of the morning, flipping through books and rereading and then listening to some of these elders who I know who are still here, like Dory Ladner and them from Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. These were teenagers and 20-somethings, man. When you mentioned Viola Luizzo, yeah. she's, she's a younger, I mean, you know what I'm saying? These are these are young people. They're, they're 17, 18, 19 years. John Lewis, 19 years old when Kelly Miller Smith told him to go over there and hang out with, Jen, with James Lawson, who Right. still alive. So understand when right. young people say, well, you know, y'all old people, hold on, slow down. Because guess what? I ain't saying they was listening to the 1961 version of uh, of WAP, you know, Megan and them, but it ain't like, <laughs> it ain't like that, you know what I'm saying? But, but, but they weren't listening to all bubblegum when they were in there risking their entire lives in Lowndes County, Alabama, and in Mississippi Delta. They were having mm -hmm. fun. They were sleeping with each other. They was they had all kind of intrigue. Read Tony Carmichael right. ready for revolution. Read James Farmer to making the black revolutionaries. Look up who Ruby Doris Robinson, Smith Robinson is, Keisha Lance Bottoms, IT. They were having the same fun young people are having now. They listen to the music. They doing what they doing. They grinding. They doing it. And then they put their entire <laughs> lives on the line. Not for the red, white, and blue, but for something deeper than that, for the idea that yes. if you are a human being who draws breath on the earth, you should have a dignity that we respect. Mm -hmm. And in respecting your dignity, yeah. I respect my own. That's a big, lots of bigger principle than this crap we call the, the American Constitution or the American uh, dream. That's not what they were talking about. Now, they wrapped it in that because they understood that that was the bridge some people have to walk across to believe that they have something to hold on to. That's why I said, when you talk about faith being the evidence of things not seen, that don't mean the thing don't exist. It means you can't see it yet. And that's what these white nationalists have relied on. For us, they keep waving the flag and the Constitution, and they say, now, we don't believe it, but we think you do. So therefore, if you just hold on a little longer, well, guess what? You've overplayed your hand now. So I guess mm -hmm. what I'm saying is, in conclusion, the idea that we are at war, like what Erica said, Erica's right. We are at war, and this war isn't just about an election, but without the election... Mm -hmm. The other thing comes quicker. And what is the other thing? The other thing even about the fracturing of the United States. The other thing is, is about this ball we live on is getting ready to reset and get rid of all the humans on it. That's the environment. That's the rollback of environmental regulation. Yep. When you see this, when you see this cotton candy melting brain addled riddled clown stumble his increasingly uh, obtuse ass over into Europe and say United States is withdrawing from the Paris climate. Uh, accords. Mm -hmm. Those accords weren't even the thing. They were a gesture toward the thing. But guess what? 
if you if you get another four years of them, you ain't got to worry about what your politics are. And you talk about okay. we can't breathe. Guess what? Can't nobody breathe because these devils oh, right man. here getting ready to blow it up. And the earth is going to be yes. like, we're tired of the species now. Y'all should have yep. contained that 500 years ago. But your cousins that <laughs> yep. came out of Western Eurasia and messed this thing up, now everybody got to pay the bill. So when you see this little punk mayor, like this little town, oh, Roland, I can't think of the guy's name. In uh, Virginia, in Virginia they call yeah. Kamala Harris, Aunt Jemima today. I mean, you all are so damn racist that you can't mm -hmm. see what these young people in Mississippi and Alabama in the 1960s, people like John Lewis and Dory Ladner and Joyce Ladner and their little bit older mentors like Megger Wiley Evers, you can't see what they see. We gonna save ourselves if we can, and if it means saving you too, then we gonna save you too. But please don't mistake that from we value your life more than ours. Please don't mistake it for that. So you young <laughs> people talking about y'all ain't gonna vote? Just go on and go on vote.org, see if you registered. If you're not registered, and go on and pull the lever for Biden and Harris. And that's coming from somebody who doesn't believe that's the ultimate goal, but that's a weapon. And Erica then told right. y'all we are at war. So pull that yeah. lever, and once they get in there, you tell them, now I want Medicare for all. I don't care whether you believe it in or not. I'm going to get everybody out here, and, and if you don't like it, I'm going to primary you like my man Jamal Bowman did and got rid of Elliot Ingalls. I'm going to primary you like Corey Bush did in St. Louis and got rid of Clay. I mean, look, I don't, mm -hmm. we ain't got to agree, but get them in the office first, please. Mm -hmm. That's the, right. In fact, mm -hmm. I should say this, Roland. I know I went on for a while, but yesterday, last night you talked about Shirley Chisholm. I was watching because I spent a lot of time rereading the stuff in the lead up to the meeting in 1972 in uh, Gary, Indiana. Shirley Chisholm didn't go to the Gary convention. She, Percy Sutton in New York supported her for running for president. But guys like the Stokes brothers and them didn't support her. And she called them out for being sexist and all that. But in the prelim meeting to the Gary convention, Shirley Chisholm said something very interesting. She said, you know. I don't think we can have a, con a convention where we can all unify because black people have too many different ideological uh, differences. I don't think we can come together. And, you know, whether she was right or wrong, that's something that we're going to have to address. Because on some things, mm -hmm. like this next 80 some days, we're going to have to be like Marcus Garvey, whose birthday is Monday. We're going to have to be uh, one God, one aim, one destiny. Now, we can fight all the way to the pole, vote, fight all the way back, and then keep fighting. But damn it, if you don't do this right here, it ain't going to be no pole to vote for because the flood coming and the sun going to bake your ass. And the next thing you know, we can have this argument in the ancestral realm because it ain't going to be no place on earth for us to live. Let me, uh, okay. let me close. Let me close. Let me close this out this way. Uh, I, I saw this comment uh, on YouTube by Mike Locke, and he said, well, uh, Biden H Harris aren't the ones to believe in. L let me just let I said on Instagram, I said now, y'all, it's, it's two choices. Y'all are more than happy to bring up the Green Party and the Libertarian Party and anybody else. They ain't got no shot. It's two choices. Mm. Trump, mm -hmm. Pence, Biden, Harris. Right. Your thinking should be of those two choices, which one am I more likely to be able to talk with and push to get what I want? Trump, Pence, or Biden, Harris? That's right. This is not saying, oh, I'm in love with Trump, Pence, and Biden, Harris. Exactly. This is not about... I'm good with Trump, Pence, and Biden-Harris.
what this, what this is about is, who am I likely, who am I likely to see in voter suppression? Trump, Pence, or Biden-Harris? Who am I likely to see support police consent decrees? Trump, Pence, or Biden-Harris? Who That's am right. I more likely to see with a housing plan to increase black home ownership? Trump, That's Pence, right. Biden-Harris. Mm -hmm. Who am I more likely to see put in their budget funds to deal with black women and the troubling issue of having children? Trump, Pence. That's right. That's right. The so-called pro-lifers and Biden-Harris. Who mm -hmm. am I more likely to see reinstate the Obama-era law that countered, that protected black people from auto discrimination? The team that actually reversed it, Trump, Pence, or Biden-Harris that actually had it passed when he was vice president? Who yeah. is more likely going to advance civil rights? Trump, Pence, who's rolling it back, or Biden-Harris. These, these are real basic. These are real basic and fundamental. And so what you have to say is, okay, I gotta make a decision here. And what mm -hmm. I gotta say is, these are the issues that I care about. Okay, and okay, who am I gonna go with? And as Greg said, when I do it, I am then going to put pressure on you to ensure that you do it. Mm -hmm. Right now, Who's ignoring you, <laughs> Trump, Pence, or Biden-Harris? Who has actually talked with black media, which means talking to black people, Trump, Pence, or Biden-Harris? That really, folks, is how you make decisions. I don't have to like anybody. I don't have to love anybody. But what you do have to do is like and love yourself. Mm. <laughs> yes, sir. Right. And your children right. and yes. your nieces and nephews and mm. your aunts and uncles and your mamas and daddies and your mm. neighbors and your frat brothers, your sorority sisters and your church members and your boule brothers and yes. your Prince Hall Mason brothers and your mm. Eastern Star sisters. I, I can go down the mm. whole line. Mm -hmm. You got to make a decision. Do I love me and my people enough to actually use the one thing that they've been trying to take from me? And if yeah. they have worked that hard to take your vote, if mm. they y'all realize Desmond and Sheena Mead spent 10 years trying to get amendment for on the ballot and approved in Florida, y'all, 10 yeah. years. And when they did, Florida mm. Republicans changed yeah. the law to make mm. it harder to get ballot initiatives. They were fine mm. with Republican ballot initiatives, but they made it harder after those black folks with the Florida Rights Rest Restoration Coalition aligned with white mm -hmm. people in Florida and Latino people in Florida and Asian mm. people in Florida. And that sucker passed more than 65%. The Republicans like, no, hell no. We gonna, we gonna make this even more difficult. Y'all, it took them 10 years. Mm -hmm. And they are still fighting it.
So you gotta, so you gotta vote. You gotta say, who's with that amendment? Trump, Pence, right. Biden, mm -hmm. Harris. That's right. That's what you gotta decide. And then what you gotta do in this COVID world, I need every single one of y'all to do this here. I need mm. every single, y'all, it's 6,785 of y'all watching right now on YouTube. It's 1,400 watching on Facebook. It's 128 watching on Periscope. I need every single one of you. So that right there, y'all, is uh, 81, that's 8,200. If every single person watches, and if every single person says, watching, I am going to reach out to 10 people, mm -hmm. minimum. That mm -hmm. means just the people, I, oh, I need y'all, y'all, I, I need y'all to listen to what I'm about to say. See, I love it when God just drops it. <laughs> there are 8,200 people watching this show live. If every person watching this show reaches out to 10 people who are not registered to vote, just the people watching this show will reach more people than was the winning vote margin for Donald Trump in 2016. Mm-hmm. 8,200 people times 10 is 82,000. Donald wow. Trump won by 78,000 votes. So just everybody watching, you could, if you reach, if everybody does 10, you could actually get more people registered than the actual vote, the margin of victory for Trump in 2016. Mm -hmm. All I'm asking you to do is reach 10. That's all, every one of y'all know at least 10 people. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm saying. Mm. You can't, and let me be clear, you cannot be in a war if there are no troops to fight the battle. That's right. You can't keep asking for generals to come up yep. with the game plan, <laughs> the battle plan, to then rally mm -hmm. the troops if ain't no troops. That's why we all got to be in this thing. And it's the yes, same sir. reason why, look, y'all got to tell, I need all y'all tell them, watch this show. Tell them folks, right. stop watching mess. Turn them damn reality shows off you see on OWN and VH1 and TV1 <laughs> and all them damn networks. All they are doing are feeding us nonsense every single day. I don't care. I don't watch, not, I don't allow that bullshit in my house. Because on, if it ain't feeding this, it's two things. It's two things, y'all. Fertile minds will grow, or if you infect fertile minds with weeds, it would destroy the soil. Yes. Mm. That's why mm. we do what we do. We want y'all to support what we do at Roller Mart Unfiltered. Join our Bring the Funk fan club. You can support us via Cash App, PayPal, Venmo. Uh, I got uh, folks who sent us um, checks, uh, money orders. Uh, Richard Bratchler, Priscilla Leslie, um, uh, Susie Buchanan, uh, Erica Chris, uh, Donna Taylor, Dexter Brown, uh, Patricia Hankinson. Uh, I have, uh, let's see here, uh, I have 
uh, Athita Watson, Deloitte Hood, uh, Christopher Allen. Uh, I've got some, uh, let's see here, uh, like I said, Richard. I've got, I got Priscilla Leslie, C. Susie Buchanan, uh, Erica Chris, Donna Taylor. Uh, again, as I said, Dexter Brown. Uh, let's see here, who is this here? Uh, is it uh, Zeta Kennedy or Izetta Kennedy? I appreciate that. Uh, Justice, Justin Williams or Wellborn? I can't really make that out. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's see here. Who is this here? Uh, Gary Augustine. Gary, I appreciate that. Um, is it Athena or Althea Nation? I appreciate that. Again, Christopher Allen, the Deloitte Hood. Y'all, I appreciate that. You got folks who are sending in checks. Every single one of y'all watching on YouTube right now can give. Because here's the whole deal, y'all. Your dollars make it all possible. Your dollars pay for the staff. Your dollars make it possible for us to do what we do. If we are able to remain independent, can't nobody tell us what to do. Can't nobody tell us. I, I, I told y'all, and there's no disrespect, when I was at Urban One, the CEO, Alfred Diggins, called me and was like, you know what I mean, that, that, that war commentary, we, we, we can't go to war with the Trump administration. I was like, well, I am. But here's the deal. That show's over. I own this show. So I asked me. So when you support what we do, you're doing the same thing black folks did with Jet Magazine and Everything Magazine. The same thing black people did with Chicago Defender. The same thing that black people did with Ida B. Wells Barnett. The same thing that black people did with Frederick Douglass. That's why we got to have our own. And so you know what? I want to see us build this to where it's not just 6,700 on YouTube. It's 67,000 on YouTube. And we don't have 1,400 on Facebook. We got 14,000 on Facebook. I want to build this to where we have 100,000 watching us live every single night. But the only way it's going to happen is if you support what we do, because when you support what we do, then I can fight these ad agencies for the money. I can fight these political campaigns for the money. Oh, and let me just help y'all out. Y'all can bring the panel back. Uh, it's real simple. To understand what means when you do that, on Monday, on Monday show, you're gonna see us begin to push the census hard, because you know why? That check came through. <laughs> and it came through. Good. And it came through because I wasn't afraid to demand it. Folks, mm -hmm. I will see y'all tomorrow right here on Roller Mart Unfiltered. Reese, Erica, Dr. Greg Carr, always a pleasure. I appreciate it. See y'all tomorrow. How? <laughs>
The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. And- 